0: As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. What's going on guys? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. We're presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Harrison Wint here on the Monday edition of the solo, solo edition of the show today. Uh, no Brendan vote on today's episode, but a lot to talk about. Definitely a lot to talk about. Just a day or so removed from this Nuggets loss in Sacramento. Denver falls 100 to 97. They're still 13 and four in the year. So I don't think there's any reason to go into panic mode yet, uh, but definitely a lot going on. I'm just going to get kind of give you guys where I'm at on the offense right now and where my concern level is on it. Because, I mean, anytime you put up only 97 points in an overtime game to the Kings, a team that's not even a top 15 defense That's concerning. And so I'm just going to give you guys my rundown on uh, what I feel about the offense right now. Murray, Jokic, the whole shebang. Uh, So I'll get to that in a little bit. I do want to tell you guys about a cool little feature, a a cool series that we're starting here on Monday on thednvr.com, something that's only going to be available to our members. So if you're not a subscriber, get on board right now, DNVR. Dot com the TheDNVR.com backslash subscribe, but we're starting our countdown of the top 50 most important figures, players, coaches, executives of the decade, you know, from 2011 through the present. And we're going across all sports, Nuggets, Broncos, Avalanche, Rockies, even into some, uh, you know, non professional sports as well. So A really cool piece of content that we'll be dropping throughout the next few weeks, uh, starting at 50, and we'll be counting down from 50 to 1. And so there's some, you know, the first installment of that on the site right now. I wrote the section on Daniil Gallinari, who I, I think, in my opinion, is kind of a bridge of the Nuggets past and their first part of the decade to their present and their future. Like, you can look at Gallinari as the bridge from the Mellow Era, and what the Nuggets were to the Jokic era. And he's got some overlap there, obviously, being the prize trade chip that Denver got back from the Knicks in that Carmel deal. And then, you know, his first taste of the Jokic era was when Jokic was really ascending to power. And when he finally did become a franchise cornerstone, uh, speaking about Jokic, that's when we saw Gallinari move on. So look for that on thednvr.com, a really cool piece of content that we're going to be dropping and really developing and branching off of with podcasts, videos, etc. throughout the next few weeks and the month of December. So really excited to start that. Uh, Look for that on thednvr.com. Only available to members. So again, if you're not a subscriber, thednvr.com backslash subscribe. So let's turn... To this Nuggets loss, and again, I'm gonna get into the offense, what I saw in this game, end of game sequence late in the fourth quarter with Jamal Murray, and then the Nuggets' last possession in overtime as well, where uh, they failed to get off a shot. First, though, I don't think it's like time to panic, like by any means. The Nuggets are 13 and four. Uh, they have the best defense in the league. Denver is only giving up 101.9 points per 100 possessions. Again, the Denver Nuggets have the best defense in the league through 17 games. That's not a small sample size. That's nearly a quarter of the season. Uh, So we can legitimately say they, uh, to this point, have had one of the best defenses in the league, the best defense in the league, and I don't think that number is all noise. I I don't think they're going to finish the season as the best defense in the league. Uh, But this team, when locked in, when committed, when bought in on that end of the floor, can be among the best defense in the league, and they've proven that this season. Like they proved that at times last year. So, I think the defense, in a large part, is probably here to stay. Uh, their second, the second best defense is the Raptors, by the way, one hundred two point three points per one hundred possessions. Uh, so Nuggets first by just a smidge. Also, Will Barton, he's having a great year on both ends of the floor. Gary Harris, first team all defense. Uh, we know what he's done defensively this year. Paul Millsap has had a great year. Jamal Murray. I think, largely speaking, has had a pretty good year so far. No injuries, no substantial injuries for this team through 17 games, knock on wood. And if you think about where this team was 17 games last year, man, there had been a lot of injuries and a lot of bad luck already. So the Nuggets are in a good spot right now. They're in a great spot. 13-4 with a showdown against the Lakers, who quietly don't have the greatest win profile in the NBA. It's going to be... A really interesting showdown Tuesday at Pepsi Center. Uh, Nuggets and Lakers, two of the top teams in the West right now. The two top teams in the West right now. Should be a good one. Uh, but yeah, the Lakers, their record looks a little better right now. Uh, I'm not sure if they have many better just total wins than the Nuggets do or marquee wins. So all in all, the Nuggets are in a good spot. 13-4, n- near the top of the West, top of their division. Things could be a lot worse right now. But... You know, the offense, there's concern around it. Uh, There's definite concern. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast throughout the season. And I'm not ready to panic because I still think the Nuggets offense can turn it around. I still think if I had to just make a prediction, I'd say this team finishes the year as a top 10 offense like they were last year. So I think they still do turn it around. uh, But, I mean, the Nuggets were only able to score 97 points against the Kings. That's a bottom 10 defense. In the second half, they scored just 40 points, including an overtime period, right? (laughs) They scored just 40 points in the third quarter plus the fourth quarter plus overtime. Now, that's why the Nuggets lost this game against, in my opinion, to the Kings. They didn't execute. So let's just go over some facts when it comes to the Nuggets offense right now. Last season, Denver was the seventh best offense in the league. They average 112.1 points per 100 possessions. This season, through 17 games, again, not a small sample size. We've got nearly a quarter of the season under our belt. They're averaging 106.8 points per 100 possessions. A huge drop-off from last year, and the Nuggets offense is ranked 18th in the league. Right now, Denver, through 17 games, has a worse offense than the likes of the Brooklyn Nets, who have been without Kyrie Irving for a large chunk of the season. you know? The New Orleans Pelicans, who have way less talent than the, than the Denver Nuggets. The San Antonio Spurs, who are 7-14 and and have an offense that looks like it's straight out in 1992 in the Eastern Conference, have a significantly better offense than the Nuggets right now. Just a significantly better uh, offensive efficiency than Denver is sporting right now. Like Those are just the facts, and here's what I saw in this Kings game because I think, largely speaking, it served as a microcosm for where the Nuggets and how the Nuggets have struggled on offense this season. In the first half, this was the Gary Harris show. Nuggets scored 57 points in the first half. 20 of them were from Gary Harris. He set a season high in the first quarter. Only took him, I think, nine first quarter minutes to set a season high in points. As a team in that first half, Denver shot 51% from the field, 56% from three. Uh, they were moving the ball well. Everybody was moving. Nicole Jokic seemed engaged. He was setting up Gary Harris. Everybody was looking Gary's way, and he had some like ridiculous shots in that first half. But he was just in one of those zones. He was in one of those zones that players get to, uh, uh, players as skilled as Gary Harris do. For as bad of an offensive season as he's had, players as skilled as Gary Harris and Guys like that still get into that zone on offense from time to time. And he was in one of those rhythms. So it was the Gary Harris show in the first half. And then in the second half, you know, Gary did not make a big impact starting in that third quarter. And as his impact kind of waned, the Nuggets resorted into an offensive style that's plagued them a lot this year. And I've been on this from the beginning of the season. I've talked about it on this podcast. But when the Nuggets offense dies, Denver shifts into a mode of, okay, let's just watch Jamal Murray go to work. And, and Nicole Jokic stands on the perimeter a lot. Uh, there's a lot of pick and roll with him and Jamal Murray. And the Nuggets offense really seems to dissipate a lot of times into just the Jamal Murray show. And that's worked at times because – Jamal Murray is an incredibly gifted, generational type of offensive player. But Denver gets into trouble because when Murray doesn't have it going and when he's not that transcendent scorer like he wasn't in the second half and in overtime, that's when the Nuggets get into trouble because they don't really have anybody else going at that point. And they're really not used to playing their brand of basketball after just kind of standing around and watching Murray for quarter upon quarter which is what it felt like happened in that second half so I'll get to that final sequence in a moment but I want to talk about Gary Harris and how his offensive struggles I think kind of speak to the Nuggets offensive struggles as a team because I mean outside of Jokic Gary Harris is probably the guy who's defined this era of Nuggets offensive basketball the most in terms of how he plays off of Jokic, how good of a mover off the ball he is, how good of a cutter, how high IQ of a player he is, just a guy who knows his role, who's very comfortable being a fourth or fifth option, which is what he's been for most of the season. But as Gary Harris has struggled, like the Nuggets offense as a team has struggled, and I just think it's not a coincidence that you know, as Gary Harris, a guy who just – Defines how the Nuggets play, how the Nuggets move, how unselfish they are. As he has just had a miserable offensive season, the Nuggets offense has gone away and away from the brand of basketball that Gary Harris plays and has really struggled as well. I think that's an important connection to make right there. But in the final sequences, end of regulation, uh, it was a little jarring. And of course, Denver. I think they actually got off maybe a look at the end of regulation before the buzzer, but it was blocked. Uh, Murray's jumper was blocked, and then in OT, they don't even get off a look. But that end of regulation sequence, that end of overtime sequence, it was a little jarring because the Nuggets have been so good in those spots over the last couple of seasons, really in the Jokic era. They've been one of the best clutch teams in the league since they've really centered things around Nikola Jokic, and a side note, I don't think those numbers are completely random, contrary to what a lot of people think. I just think Jokic is an incredibly clutch player, and if you go through him late in games, you're going to win a lot of basketball games, a lot of close basketball games that way. Uh, but anyways, end of regulation, That final possession. When, that final possession when Murray has the ball, it looked like he definitely had enough time to get off a good look. And... When I go back and watch that play, you can really tell from the Murray time from the time Murray gets that ball across half court, he's thinking to himself he's going to shoot that. And uh, it didn't really seem like he looked to pass. It looked like he definitely wanted to get that shot off and obviously could not get a good look off, uh, wasn't even really close to getting a good look off. And then on that final OT play, so this was a play that was drawn up to be a hammer screen on the baseline for Will Barton. Coming down from the left wing into that left corner, and then Murray was supposed to hit him with a baseline pass. Sacramento just took away that option, switched that screen, and then Denver, what happened was just did not have enough time on the clock to really like counter that play. It seemed like it was either going to be that play and that specific look or nothing. So that's how the game ended for the Nuggets. And, um, you know, people call this a trap game. I don't think it was a trap game at all. And the reason I don't is because we've seen this happen with the Nuggets before. Uh, We've seen their offense die in quarters. We've seen it die over the second halves of games. That's what it did in Sacramento. The Nuggets were not looking ahead to the Lakers. I can guarantee you that. Knowing that locker room and knowing how that locker room operates and how this team goes into one game after another, there's no way this team was looking ahead to the Lakers. They just weren't. That's not the type of players these guys are. That's not the type of coaching staff that's not the type of team this team is. Uh, they were not looking at the Sacramento. Their offense just died. Uh, like they have time and time again. So there was a lot there, I know, and I guess my largest point is that like the Nuggets offense has not looked right. I think there are a lot of reasons for that, and I'm going to get into that in segment 2. Uh, but This game really served, I thought, as a microcosm to a lot of the Nuggets struggles this year. In the second half, after relying on Gary Harris for a lot of the heavy lifting in the first half, and like Jokic, I thought, also did have a good first half. He was carving up Sacramento's defense, really helping to initiate really good looks. Thought Murray had some good moments as well. Will Barton had good moments too. Like The Nuggets played a pretty complete offensive half, but... When Gary Harris did not have it going in the third quarter, Nuggets didn't really know what to do, you know, and they just kind of dissipated into a, you know, let's watch Jamal Murray try to create something here. And honestly, I feel like that's been a lot of what's happened this season. So I do want to get into some more talk about this offense when it comes to Nikola Jokic's year and, he deserves to be talked about and just the impact that he's making on that and the floor deserves to be talked about because – Jokic had his third straight single-digit scoring game of the season, and the season, you know, isn't even a quarter of the way through yet. So uh, that deserves, deserves to be mentioned, and I'll talk about some other trends I'm noticing as well. Uh, first, I'll gotta tell you guys about Strawberry Sky, a great beer from Breckenridge Brewing. Definitely one of my favorites uh, that Breck Brewing has put out over the last couple of years. Uh, Strawberry Sky, super light, super flavorful. Good for any situation, any occasion, as they like to say. Great if you're just at a bar with some friends or out the park uh, on the weekend. Maybe you're hitting the slopes, but Strawberry Sky from Breck Brewing, good for any occasion. Uh, It's flavorful, definitely one of my favorites from Breck Brewing. Be sure to check it out along with all of Breck's other beers, the Avalanche Amber, uh, the Hot Peak IPA. So so many great choices. Uh, The Cardinal Core, of course. The uh vanilla porter or the Michael Porter Jr. as we like to call it on this podcast. So many great choices from Breck Brewing that you guys need to check out if you haven't. Also, as you guys may or may not, not may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Koningsberg experience a pretty rough hangover after the Broncos draft party and preseason game at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, hit up the DNVR Broncos Facebook. Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip, and sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off your first IV drip. Visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more, or just download their app and book your appointment. That's code HYD20 to save 20%. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. We are reviewing this latest Nuggets loss, just Denver's fourth on the year, 100-97 100-97 in overtime to the Sacramento Kings. The Nuggets fall to 13-4 and four on the season. I think things are going to be okay, but there's a lot going on with the offense here. And you know, let's talk about Nikola Jokic's night and the season Jokic has had so far because, I mean, the stats don't lie. And right now, Nikola Jokic is averaging 15.6 points on 45.8% shooting from the field. He's shooting just 23% from three. And, you know, around the same amount of rebounds, a more than an assist per game, less than the average last season. And last season, if you're just going over his counting stats, 20.1 points. So uh, down from 15, down from 20.1 to 15.6 points, shot 51 percent from the field last year, down to 45.8 percent this year and shot 31 percent from three. Not even a good mark from three this year, but you know, he's dropped off a lot from there. Uh, from 23 percent and you know just kind of speaking largely about this Nuggets offense at one point last year I thought Nikola Jokic and I compared him to Peyton Manning in this respect you know if you just put capable wide receivers around Peyton Manning who knew how to run routes who had average to slightly above average hands and just knew how to play wide receiver in the NFL knew how to get open you were going to have a great offense. You were going to have an above average offense, probably even a top 10 offense. I thought Jokic was the same way. You know, if you surrounded Jokic with the right players and played his brand of basketball, surrounded him with good off ball cutters, high IQ players, guys who could knock down shots at a league average, a slightly above league average rate, you were going to have a better than average offense and probably a top 10 offense. Now, I still think if you're playing Jokic ball, If you have your offense centered around Jokic, whenever he's on the court, you still can do that. And what I was getting at in the first segment is, I think largely this year, the Nuggets have been operating a Jamal Murray-centric offense, not as much of a Nikola Jokic-centric one that they have in years past. So I still think the Nuggets can do that. Uh, They're not doing that this year, it feels like, to the extent they are last year. But just like Jokic... Flat and simple, you know, just looking at his stats, he, he's having a much smaller impact or just a smaller impact on the offense this season than he did last year. And, you know, the Nuggets were the seventh best offense in the league last year. Jokic put up absolute monster numbers 20.1 points, 10.8 rebounds, 7.3 assists. And, you know, he was playing at an all NBA level. I don't think he is this year. You know, he is not playing just on the offensive end of the floor at the level he was last season. And I think there are a couple reasons for that. Look, first of all, a reason why the Nuggets need to rely on Jokic last year so much and why he put up the numbers he did last year, because Denver was so injured. Will Barton out of the lineup, Gary Harris out of the lineup, Paul Millsap out of the lineup over the times of the first half of the season. And the Jokic-Murray pick and roll really got going. And the Nuggets had to rely on Jokic, and I will cut him and the Nuggets a break in this respect. A reason his stats don't look like they do last year is because Denver has been fully healthy, and there's a lot of mouths to feed in Denver when the Nuggets are fully healthy. Will Barton's fully healthy. You know, he's got to get his shots. Jamal Murray, he's taking on more and more of a role in this offense. He's got to get his shots. Gary Harris as well. So... That is a reason why Jokic's numbers, just as counting stats, have gone down. Uh, there's more mouths to feed, and we know Jokic is going to feed those guys. But, you know, just, just overall, my feeling about this offense is it's just not as centered around him as it's been in years past. And some of the stats that would back that up are unquantifiable. But, I mean, you can just see it watching this team over the last couple of years to watching. Uh, them this year I feel like the offense is shifting more towards Murray and slightly away from Jokic now in my opinion for the Nuggets to get to a top 10 defense to rediscover some of that offense that they had from last year Jokic has got to start doing some of the things that he did last year more and like I said just a couple minutes ago there's more mouths to feed now and there's more guys who are able scoring players that uh, can shoulder the load and that's okay for his numbers to drop slightly because of that and I also think Jokic is definitely getting double teamed more uh, this year than last year it seems Uh, but still I still think he could do a much better job of and Michael Malone has talked about this a lot over the last couple years going into his post moves quicker looking to attack quicker before the double team gets there but for the Nuggets offense to get back to what it was doing last year, Jokic's got to start doing some of the things he was doing last year. And and our expectations are high for him, A, because he was fourth in MVP voting last year, B, because he was all, the All-NBA first-team center, A, something he would not get voted to this year if uh, his year continues as it has started, but C, because... He's coming off of what he just did in the playoffs last year, and he was such a dominant force in the playoffs last year. The best player when he was on the floor, whenever he was on the floor, over those first two series against the Spurs and against the Blazers, in my opinion. He was an absolute force, and he's only been that guy on a few different occasions to start this season. I mean, three straight single-digit scoring outings, The Nuggets have won uh, when he scored in single digits before. And look, last year, uh, I don't know if you guys will want to hear this, but last year, Jokic scored in single digits in four straight games also in the beginning of the year. He had a four-point outing against the Cavs on the road, which Denver won by 19, a seven-point outing at home against Utah that Denver won by 15, an eight-point outing at home against Boston uh, that was the Jamal Murray 48 point game that the Nuggets won by eight. And then that four point outing in Memphis where the Nuggets lost by two. So, you know, he's had really low scoring outputs before. Uh, the Nuggets have found ways to win. And we've also talked about on this podcast how Jokic may be a notorious slow starter. Uh, he started slow last year, and he started slow this year. So he he may still be working himself back into a rhythm. And a month from now, maybe he is the guy who he he was over you know the last four plus months of last season. But it, it just it's pretty obvious that he hasn't been that guy so far. And you know I, I do think. Some blame for Denver's team-wide offensive struggles and how low the Nuggets' offensive efficiency has been this year, 17th in the league, 18th in the league, falls on his shoulders because he was an absolute force last year, and the Nuggets' offense was better, despite the fact that Denver was so banged up with injuries throughout the whole year. And this year, they're completely healthy and The Nuggets should be a much better offense than they are right now. With the amount of talent on this team, for the Nuggets to be, you know, the 18th best offense in the league, which is what they will wake up as on a Monday morning here, December 2nd, that's unfathomable. With this type of offense, and it's not that they're not hitting shots. That was the case earlier in the season. That's not the case anymore. They are a fine three-point shooting team. On the season against the Kings, yes, they did not hit their threes in the second half. They ended up shooting 34.5% from three. You know, not great, not terrible though. The three point shooting, the ability to hit open three point shots, that was a storyline throughout the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, It's not so anymore. I mean, just on the year, uh, the Nuggets are the 18th best three point shooting team. So, not bad, not great, but you know, pretty average. Uh, But I do think Jokic's slow start to the year on offense, he he deserves some blame for sure. And, uh, you know, he's always going to make the right play for sure. And he has made the right play more than he's made the wrong play throughout most of this season. But, you know, he's got to pick it up. And when Denver really needs a bucket, he's got to be the guy. And, you know, when the Nuggets are watching Gary Harris for a first half like they did against Sacramento – and then watching Jamal Murray for a lot of the second half, Jokic isn't in a rhythm, really nobody else is in a rhythm, and that's where Denver gets into trouble. So, I mean, that's what I saw from Jokic against the Kings and really what I saw from the Nuggets against the Kings. And, you know, it really wasn't too surprising because uh, we've seen the offense dissipate and really grind to a halt over the entire course of this season. Uh, like we did in Sacramento the other night. So, like, the Nuggets, I think they will be okay. Like I said, I think they can get back to a top-10 offense. But Jokic is going to have to play better. I mean, he shot 3 of 11 from the field in this game, just did not seem engaged at all in that second half. And Nuggets take after their best player, like most teams do. And, uh, you know, when he is not as locked in as he was last year, which that – certainly seems to be the case to me over the first course of this season, the first quarter of this season. We've talked about that a lot, but everybody else kind of takes after him in that regard. All right, guys, got to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety, You name it. CBD is also all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. So I thought there were some pretty interesting quotes to come out of this game, and I was not in Sacramento for this one, but the Nuggets do post a lot of their post-game videos to YouTube. So you're able to check out some of the post-game press conferences. Here's one from Jamal Murray on the last play of OT when Denver failed to get a shot off. And like I mentioned earlier, they run that hammer set. He said, quote, the play did not work. We've got to come up with something better. And the ball's in my hand, so it makes me look bad when that happens. We've got to come up with something better. We've got to get open. We've got to set screens. Like Mason Plumway says, it comes down to execution and that's interesting because uh, I, I mean I think he's right in a lot of aspects. The Nuggets, although did seem to execute fairly well, I thought Sacramento did guard the play well. You look on the backside, Will Bart got a pretty good screen on that hammer play. But there just didn't seem to be a lot of time. You know, Murray got down to the baseline and looked to get the ball over to Barton, the opposite corner, and then he realized he couldn't. But there was no more time left on the clock, really. So it didn't seem like there was enough time for Denver to really go into a counter or anything else. It was like that action or bust. And look, it was a good play. That play works for a lot of teams in end-of-game sequences. I mean, how many times have we seen teams hit threes off of that action before to win games? So um, I thought it was a fine play call. Denver has gone to the just straight Jokic-Murray pick-and-roll a lot. Throughout late game situations over the last couple of years. But Sacramento was really bottling up a lot of the stuff they were doing uh, late in game. So I'm wondering if that's why Denver didn't go to it there. And then Jokic also had this on the end of regulation in OT when Denver really failed to get off a shot on both situations. The end of the game, he said, quote, nothing was good. We didn't set screens. We didn't give Jamal any outlets, any exits. We would not execute at all. I think he's right on that point of not really giving Jamal any outlets. And this kind of goes back to my theme of this podcast. But it seems like a lot of this offense right now, uh, when Denver isn't really in that read and react rhythm, it's let's stand and watch Jamal go to work. And that's kind of what happened on those last two plays outside of that a failed hammer screen for Barton. Here's Jokic on Gary Harris's hot start. Quote, he scored a lot, I think in the first quarter, and I think we then kind of stopped him. Uh, I think we could have done a better job of that. When someone is just hot, give him the ball more. So Jokic kind of saying that the Nuggets as a team, by not giving the ball to Gary Harris more, kind of halted his uh, offensive rhythm and... How hot he was. So uh, I thought that was interesting as well. So, uh, look, this was a bad loss, definitely. Uh, the Kings have been playing better as of late and just a bad loss because I think a lot of the themes that we've been seeing with the Nuggets this year on the offensive end of the floor, uh, with how different just their offense feels from last year to this year, showed up in this game. Also, a lot of people were asking me, why was Paul Millsap not on the floor uh, to end this one? Millsap ended up playing 21 minutes. Jeremy Grant was on the floor for a lot of key stretches in the fourth. And then over time, he played 32 minutes. I just put up good stats, too. 12 points, five rebounds. And uh, although he was a minus nine in this one, four nine from the field, two or four from three, I'm guessing... I mean, this is just speculation. Malone said after the game, it was just coach's decision. But I'm guessing he just was more in favor of the offense Jeremy Grant could provide than the offense Millsap was giving them. Just a guess there. Uh, I'm really not sure. Barton continues to rebound the ball well. He had 12 rebounds in this one to go with 14 points. Did not shoot it particularly well. Six to 15 from the field. He also did have five assists. And then the bench up and down you know not a good stretch I think in some parts of this game but also flashed in others and like we anticipated Michael Mullen sticking with a five-man bench lineup of Monte Morris Malik Beasley who had maybe the best game of all the bench guys in this one 11 points in all three of his three-point attempts he only had one, two otherwise to go with three assists. Mason Plumley, a solid game as well. Eight points, eight rebounds, a block, and a steal, three or four from the field. So those two guys really shined off the bench. But like I said, Malone continuing to go with the Morris Beasley Wancho, who only played seven minutes in this one. Barton got a lot of those second unit small forward minutes again. Wancho, Grant Plumley. We speculated last week that Michael Porter Jr. would be out of this rotation for the time being as the Nuggets try to find a bench unit that can give them some consistency. Malone stuck with that group and got some okay results, I thought, against Sacramento. My prediction is he sticks with this group at least for one more game and sees if this five can give him some consistency against the Lakers here coming up on Tuesday. Can't wait for that game so a frustrating one for sure uh, for the nuggets let me know what you guys think hit me on twitter uh, hit me in the comment section on the dnvr.com leave a question there and we'll read it on the podcast later this week uh, when i get back with brendan and adam but those are the questions we answer on the show from our subscribers and with that we'll talk to you guys on tuesday hey guys before we get out of here got to remind you that Total Beverage is giving the DNVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying to $75. Use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest price in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with a max discount applying up to 75 bucks. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered.